Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by TBR, tailored book recommendations now available as a gift for the holiday season. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or year-long subscription, and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at $16, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine. So when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 93, and we are recording on November 27th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with special guest Vanessa Diaz from All the Books and the Read Harder podcast, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Vanessa. Hi, 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 friend. Thank you for filling in for Sharifa. I may or may not have actually just stuffed her in the trunk so I would have a chance to talk to you on a podcast. Uh, not really. Well, She's you... one of my best friends. <laughs> but... Yes, it's true. I'm so excited, not least because Vanessa, when she agreed to come on, we had already picked the theme for this episode, which was holiday films with sci-fi and fantasy elements because it is the season and I picked both of the movies oh, and I have put... Vanessa threw quite a wild ride. So, <laughs> a ride it was. <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of fun today. Um, but let's see, before we get into that, Vanessa, will you tell the good folks about our next sponsor? Absolutely. So, this episode is sponsored by Bookmarks, a customizable journal to record your reading life. Meet your new reading buddy, an all in one spot to record everything and anything book related. Inspired by bullet journaling, Bookmarks offers ideas for setting up a multitude of book tracking pages with a mix of fill-in prompts, charts, lists, and plenty of dot grid pages to customize. So to help expand your literary horizons, the journal also includes a section of recommended reading lists compiled by Book Riot. Use Bookmarks to jot down what you're currently reading, what's on your nightstand, your favorite quotes, new vocabulary words, memorable characters, your review of recent reads, and a whole bunch more. A clever bonus is that the back flap has a punch-out bookmark, so you're set to go. Go to bookriot.com slash bookmarks tracker for your copy. All right. So before we get into our holiday movie extravaganza. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about some news. There was a surprisingly lot of it, actually. I was expecting it to be a slow news episode, but it is not. I had to I had to narrow it down a bit. I thought I was going to be crickets today. <laughs> I, I was know. fully expecting to phone this in, and uh, it, it is still, it's great. But yeah, some of the news is kind of a bummer, too, which is not so fun. 
Yeah, so let's talk about our first bummer news, uh, which is that Sci-Fi Fangirls has been shut down as of earlier this week at the time of recording. Um, And, you know, we have talked about pieces from them multiple, I mean, maybe once a show sometimes um, on this podcast. They've been doing a great job for so long, and it's a real bummer that they are not going to be publishing anymore. I uh, like I uh, was telling Jen right before we started recording that I put together this you know, weekly post called The List List, which is kind of what it sounds like. It's just a roundup of bookish lists. And even just in doing that, it is so hard, like much harder than it should be in the year of our Lord 2020 to find sci-fi content that's written from a women's perspective, like like editorial content, I should mm. say. And I used to love pulling from this so many. I mean, we've got like former rioters that, you know, write for them and it's. Ah, it was just such a bummer. I I really had, obviously I had no idea, but not a great thing to wake up to. No. So uh, this does mean that there are lots of great uh, editorial voices on the market. So um, I'm going to link in the show notes to uh, former writer Preeti Chibber's Twitter. She's got a roundup of those folks that you can find them online, follow them. If you're in a position to hire them, maybe hire them. Uh, so shout out to all of those great writers. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, do you want to talk about let's let's get the bummers out of the way and then do some <laughs> nice things. So bummer number two is this story about Disney not paying book royalties, which is super exciting. I, I mean, as I saw as of this morning or not as of this morning, I think a couple of days ago that there's been an update. And I mean, for those who don't know, essentially <laughs> this this bonkers letter came out not bonkers because of the letter itself but because of the premise is that you know author alan dean foster who i will say i was not like i I know of his work but wasn't like super familiar until i realized like hey he's written the tie-ins for you know this little franchise you may have heard of called star wars (laughs) like oh okay and when he uh I just get so frustrated with this whole story. Yeah. I mean, the the short of it is that he wrote this open letter that posted to the Sci-Fi Writers of America, essentially saying, like, I have been trying to get Disney to pay me, and they just haven't. And he's saying that he's reached out several times, that the one of the stipulations of the, okay, we'll sit down to talk to you was, but, like, first you have to sign an NDA, which... It just doesn't seem par for the course for what no. I understand to be true. And it's, it, you know, again, the, the update now seems to be that they're going to, they've agreed to have a sit down after Thanksgiving, I think is what the update said. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've got a link in the show notes to this piece from um, io9 by Beth Elderkin. And it was originally posted on the 19th, which has like, so it has links to Alan Dean Foster's letter explaining the situation. You know, Disney acquired Star Wars, right? And Alien. um, And there are books for those. And they haven't, like Vanessa's saying, they haven't paid any of the royalties for those books. And they're kind of, they also are like saying that they don't have to, which is, that's not how intellectual property works. Sure uh, not. Or publishing. (laughs) Um, And then as of the 23rd of November, they have, Disney has said that like, no, no, we're going to have a meeting. It's, it's all a big misunderstanding, which, you know, seems unlikely to me, but uh You know, the reason I think one of the reasons the story blew up, not just because Alan Dean Foster is such a fixture in, uh, you know, sci fi, but also that 
this it could set a very bad precedent for uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, for companies who acquire work and then are like, no, we we get to sell it, but we don't have to pay you for it. Like that's that should not be how publication rights work. It is not currently how publication rights work. And we super don't want it to become how publication rights work. So so that's one of the reasons, aside from just like authors should get paid, that this this is worth following. So yeah, we'll we'll keep doing follow-ups on this one as they come up. And if you do want to like look at some of the writing about it or just kind of updates on Twitter, I mean, there's nothing delightful about this except for this one thing is that the hashtag that it's under. Well, one of them is Disney must pay, but the other is Dear Mickey. Yeah. And I will, you know, let you know that that was misleading to me when I was like, oh, this sounds cute. And then I clicked on it and I was like, no, no, not cute. No, unless cute. So not cute. (laughs) You're so right, though. It does. It sounds like, you know, it's like a Dear Santa kind of situation. That is absolutely what I was expecting. I was like, nope, nope, the mouse is not behaving. <laughs> yeah. Bad job, mouse. Uh, all right. Let's talk about some nice things. Um, let's talk about this. Vanessa, are you a video game player? I was a long time ago. I have not been for some time, but I am surrounded by people who are. So this is actually pretty cool, and I hope it sticks around. Yeah, yeah. So the news, um, as reported by Locus magazine, is that there is going to be a video game Hugo category at the 2021 uh, Disc Con, which is, you know, the World Con um, special name for, you know, next year's. And uh, there has not been a, a video game category before. And they're saying that it's only for 2021. But they are the Hugo committee is considering having like a game or interactive experience category moving forward. Um, and I I have to say, you know, we did an episode on The Witcher earlier this year um, that Preeti came on for. And we talked a little bit about the video games. And we were talking about how like you can have a narrative story experience through a video game. And it makes sense to me. You know, there's so many great sci-fi fantasy video games out there. It totally makes sense to me to reward the work that goes into them alongside of, you know, graphic novels and podcasts and books and illustrations and all of that stuff. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, from, you know, my extended experience with video games when I was younger was absolutely in the realm of Mario. And so that, yeah. uh, not, not a whole lot of storytelling going on. But yeah, some of the, the, I mean, many of the games that have been out here for years, it is not only an amazing feat of a talent, like what the, you know, the animation and all that that goes into it. But yeah, the storylines are complex and mm-hmm. are absolutely something that I think should be celebrated amongst stuff like graphic novels and comics and all the other, you know, different mediums that we've come to celebrate. And obviously this year, as yeah. it, you know, says in the announcement, like a few people had some extra time on their hands to maybe do some gaming. And I, I don't think that's gonna, you know, go away at the stroke of midnight. So I no. hope, I hope it's something that they do consider going on because there is a lot of work that goes goes into the, that creation. It's it's something. It's, it's an art. It should be celebrated as such. Yeah, agree, agree. Uh, so that was nice. Oh, here's some more nice things. So we have some award winners to celebrate. Um, 
We're going to start with the Nomo Awards, which got announced uh, back in October, but we just haven't gotten to it uh, before now. The African Speculative Fiction Society announces these, and I always am excited to see this list come out because I found some great books uh, through previous both nominees and winners. And um, this celebrates uh, speculative fiction written by Africans living anywhere, so it's, it is uh, diaspora. Um, and the best novel this year is one I have not read, but have been heard, been hearing a lot about. It's David Mogo Godhunter by Suyi Davies Okunboa. Um, and I have heard some buzz about this, and I definitely do want to read it. There were a couple of nominees that I have read. Um, Rosewater Int- Insurrection by Tade Thompson was on there. Old Drift by Namwali Serpel was on there. Tojian Yabuchi's book War Girls is on there. It's a, it's a real good list. Um, and there's winners for short story and novella and comics and graphic novels and you should check them all out. Uh, Vanessa, have you have you read any of these? Are you familiar with these? No, I've been wanting to read War Girls for some time, but I I think I just forgot that it was published <laughs> so like it, there was a lot of buzz around Riot Baby, at least for yeah. me anyway. So I like devoured Riot Baby and then needed to take a cool break because mm-hmm. that book was, you know, short but impactful. And I don't know, War Girl seems to have kind of slipped in under that radar. Yeah. Like I didn't even realize that they'd come out like so close to one another. I've had old Drift on my list for a while. The whole because Rosewater is now a is it a trilogy you said? I yeah, think? the trilogy. Yeah. I think the third book comes out this in 2021. I think so. Yeah. So I've been meaning to read a whole lot of the stuff on here I, ugh, the 2020 has not been the year of finishing my reading goals but no. <laughs> but so much of this just sounds so incredibly interesting and I'm glad we can celebrate it yeah it's also cool I don't remember the last time I saw this there was a tie for best short story which is fun um, oh that's right so yeah so and both came out of the Omanana uh, literary journal which is great by the way y'all should check that out if you're looking for a new speculative fiction literary journal to follow they do great work um, clearly so yeah good good stuff in that list um, and then the uh, National Book Awards, there was a winner in the fiction category that is sci-fi fantasy adjacent. Actually, hard to like pin down that book. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, which I'm a huge fan of, but it, it really is hard to pin down. Uh, Charles Yu won for Interior Chinatown. Uh, I've been wanting to read that too, and I haven't. But yeah, I was trying to describe to somebody when the award news went off, like what it was about, and I yeah. failed kind of miserably. <laughs> I mean, not really, but still, I was like, how do I, where do I categorize this book? <laughs> it's, it's, I know. It's... Did you read it? I did. I did. I loved it. It was, it is such a hard book to describe because it is sort of a, it's a meta novel, mm-hmm. um, and it's a screenplay that's a novel. And it all takes place, like, on a set that's also the real world. Like, it's very... It's a restaurant, right? (laughs) Well, it's a a set of a restaurant. A set of a restaurant, yes. Uh Exactly, yeah. But then there are a couple sections that take place, like, in other sets, as it were. Like, there's a courtroom set. There's, like, a Midwest, like, house set. Like, it's a a whole experience, that book. It really is a whole experience. Um, And Charlie Yu is an amazing writer. I've enjoyed pretty much every book of his that I've read. And he always does funky things with narrative structure, which I appreciate. Um, 
And I don't remember the last time. I mean, I, I should probably have checked this before we started recording, but I don't remember the last time that a sci-fi fantasy novel got this kind of recognition, with the exception of Underground Railroad uh, I was by Colton say Whitehead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that is still more in the fiction. Uh, it's on the spectrum of speculative fiction, but it's a little more towards realistic fiction than Interior Absolutely. Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. so that's that is super cool. I'm excited for that. I am. It's kind of rare, actually, that I've read a lot of National Book Award titles, and I was really wanting to get to this one. The only other one I think I read was the Children's Bible by Lydia Millet, or Millet, sorry. Uh, But yeah, this one, like I said, the structure of it is, I think, what sounds the most appealing. I mean, the whole thing sounds appealing, but I am ready to read a book that shakes up structure a little bit. I've kind of been in my I'm going to read cozy things for a while. (laughs) My, My brain could use something else. So maybe I'll pick that up this weekend. Yeah, I've been doing a, I've been getting into a good solid alternating like cozy with tougher stuff. And it's, it's, it's better than it was earlier this year. I just couldn't for a while. <laughs> good for thee. Cause I saw you were reading the, um, oh my gosh, the RF Kuang uh, books. And I was oh, like, uh, my lo- I- yeah. So <laughs> preview <laughs> for y'all. I have read the third book in the Poppy Wars series, and we are going to talk about it a little bit uh, on an upcoming episode. And boy, that was a heartbreaker. Yeah, that's a heartbreaker. All right. Well, speaking. Okay, one last news story. This is going to be I think this is sad for a lot of folks. Um, I just kind of I had not realized. So the, the story is that the Shannara saga by Terry Brooks is done. Uh, the last book was published in October. Um, we've got a piece here from Publishers Weekly by John Maher. And it's an interview with Terry Brooks about the books. Now, I saw this come up and I was like, wait, those are still going? Because it has been 40 years since the sort of show was published. Yes, 40 years. Four zero <laughs> years. Wow. He's been writing this Shannara series for 40 years. That's bananas that's bananas yeah and, and it also maybe makes sense how he talks about how he was in a bit of a rut afterward yeah, <laughs> like no well, yeah you've been writing like, for 40 years bro. i know how do you like i mean it's just it's wild i read these i read some of them as a kid i could i probably if i tried really hard could resurrect exactly which ones but like the ones that stick out the most in my head are sort of shanara I want to say like the gemstones of Shannara and the elf queen of Shannara, like those three, the ones that stick out. But, but I remember reading sort of Shannara and being like, boy, this is very similar to Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Um, And then others, you know, go a bit farther afield and it feels a little bit less uh, samey. But it's still very much like a medieval fantasy world. And, you know, Brooks does a lot with it, but I just, I had just not, I haven't picked one up in a long time probably since I was a teenager, and I had no understanding that these were still going. So I just, like, want to take a moment to acknowledge the stamina involved in writing in a single world for 40 years. That's that's bonkers. And to, like, not run out of ideas, because after that, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, and then this guy met, and there was a sword, and there was magic, and bye. Like, 40 years, that's, yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's a long time. And, you yeah. know, it's, I mean, I think a lot of people have a lot of different feelings about them. I have some nostalgia feelings. I think other folks have, like, you know, diehard feelings. I think still others are like, yeah, I'm over it. Um, but it is just, yeah. it's just wild to think about that, you know, these books are older than I am, which is not, like, the series is older than I am, which Oof. is... Yeah, that's a real 
That's a real mind blower. Wow. Yeah, I mentioned it to Sharifa because I saw her uh, recently and I said like, oh, and we're going to talk about some things. And I mentioned this. She was like, well, she basically had your same reaction. She's like, those are still going. <laughs> they are indeed. And we will discuss it. <laughs> I mean, not anymore. Now they're done. But uh, oh, yes. yeah. yeah. So if you need a reading project, there's one for you. <laughs> It'd take you a while to get through, probably. Um, Okay. All right. We're about to get into our movie chat. But before we do that, let me tell you about our next sponsor, which is the Read Harder Journal, a perfect gift for the book lovers in your life. It was created by us here at Book Riot. And this reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. And evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by our annual Read Harder initiative, which started back in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up Passover books, try out new genres, choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Um, But they're separate from the Read Harder challenge. They're totally different reading tasks. So you can indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, Get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant. Maybe find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press. And so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. You can get yours at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Okay, we're gonna talk about movies. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I like don't even know where to start. I guess we should start in the order that I have it written on the agenda, just for the sake of our brains. But so I was thinking, here's how this happened. I was thinking about some of my favorite holiday movies, and I realized that two uh, were had like sci-fi sp- fantasy esque elements to them, and there are a whole bunch. I mean, there's there's way more than two, but these. So these, when I say like these, are just the two that occurred to me first, and that I was willing to force other people to watch. Um, and so we have a rom com and like a black horror comedy, like black meaning like dark horror comedy. Um, so let's start with the rom com, which is the holiday calendar. Uh, which stars my beloved Cat Graham uh, from Vampire Diaries, Justice for Bonnie, and uh, also a bunch of other folks, including Quincy Brown, Ethan Peck. Uh, let's see. There's just so many, you know, great actors in this movie. And um, the... Uh, so let's see. How do we do... Vanessa, let's do a non-spoiler synopsis of this movie for folks. Sure. So the... <laughs> Sorry, I just... I'm reading my notes and they're so ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean, the, the title kind of gives you a teeny bit of it. So the premise is that there we meet this young woman who is working as a photographer... And the kind that works at like a photo studio. So like, you know, you and your family and your kids or whoever go and like get your pictures taken at like the picture people in a mall kind of thing like that sort of setup. And she's taking these pictures, but she's feeling sort of, you know, disappointed or or just maybe uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kind of meh about life in the sense that she wants to do like bigger photography projects and she her like best friend surprises her and comes into town because he's been traveling the world for the better part of I forget how long but he's been gone for a while he too is a photographer and like a freelancer and they're chatting it up but she essentially 
in talking to her grandpa at like the you know Christmas is it I don't know it's it's not actually Christmas because obviously it's before then but they're they're just gathering as a family. Her grandpa just sets, like pulls her aside and tells her that he wants to give her something that her grandmother who has passed always wanted her to have, and it is this advent calendar. It's like an old school like it's kind of large. I think it's made out of wood. And she's like, "Well, what's so special about this?" And he's like, mm, "You're going to take it and find out." Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so she does. <laughs> And that is where she starts to discover that every time she opens another one of the, you know, little boxes or what have you, some funny things related to what she finds in said magical calendar start to happen in real life. I think that's ma- mostly the non-spoilery maybe kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great non-spoilery uh, summation of this. So yeah, so the central sort of question of this movie that's not the rom-com, like, will they, won't they, is, uh, is this advent calendar haunted? Is it magic? Like, is it predicting the future? Is it fate? Is it destiny? It is so charming. <laughs> it's so charming. I mean, I found it very charming. What did you think? Oh, no, I found it very charming. There were definitely parts where I was like, I have questions, but yeah. I, <laughs> like, my notes include stuff like... What is with this Sex in the City situation with her starving artist apartment? Oh my god! I also have a note about her giant star. So yeah, so cat. So the cat. Wait, her name. Her name is not cat. What is her name in this? Oh my movie? god! I'm what is her name? I, I called her cat uh, too in my notes. There you go. Yeah, Abby. <laughs> So Abby, our main character, is like, you know, she talks multiple, like her dad asks her if she needs money, like she's talking about like being a broke artist, um, but her, she's this massive, like West Elm decorated studio apartment. Yep. And I guess, you know, my if I'm going to stretch some disbelief here, like she lives in a small town. It's like indicated that it's a small town. It's yes. so, like maybe rent is super cheap. Like, I don't know. But uh, yes, her apartment is ridiculously enormous and very fancy for a starving artist on a budget. That's what one of my first notes were. And I think she does at one point make a joke about like, my dad thinks I'm literally like a starving, starving artist. So I think she's maybe poking fun at the fact that like, look, things aren't that dire. Right. But still, when I imagine, you know, (laughs) again, you're like (laughs) basically a mall type photographer. And then you're like, welcome to my loft space that's separated (laughs) by a wall of lights. Like what? Sure, sure. Yeah, you should see my apartment. And I have like, you know, quote unquote, gainful employment. So anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, you know, again, you suspend a little bit of disbelief in the rom-com. And yes, the small town thing. Um, I also wrote down <laughs> what's, hey, single zaddy. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I, think I, was, I think at the time I was probably talking about the other. La- so, I mean, this is where it starts to get a little bit spoilery, I guess. Yes. Yes. That's fine, though. Cool. So she, you know, through the process. So again, I mentioned best friend, right? So best friend is yes. in the picture. Best friend, who by the way is like his his he's the actor's name is Quincy, and he, I didn't know he was actually named after Quincy Jones. Like that's who he's named <gasps> after. I didn't know that either. Yeah, he's uh, Kim Porter and Albi Shore's son, and then was raised by Diddy, like P Diddy. <laughs> and anyway, that yeah, is a that pedigree and a half. Yes, but anyway, that's how I found out he was actually named after Quincy. But um, so there's that guy who is in the picture, and it's just sort of like super supportive best friend. You know, they've they've been friends for so long, like they have sleepover. You know, like they've just known each other all their lives. He's a part of her family, like the family knows him and loves him and asks about him. But as she starts to you know open up the calendar, and again the question is like, is it predicting the future? Is it magic? Is it haunted? She meets this other guy at 
like her sister's daughter's school for I think like a Christmas function. Well, first she runs over his Christmas tree. Oh Important, yes, neat, cute moment. <laughs> yep, I is forgot that, about that part. He's like driving his little red sports car down the street with a tree like poorly is secured to the top, and it falls off, and she runs it over in her car, and they have this whole like witty banter moment. Um, and then they run into each other again at the recital, yes, yes. Uh, elementary school recital, where he is. He is a single dad. And like then they start to date. And yes, he is very, I mean, of course he is. He's the love interest, right? Like he's very attractive. Yeah, he has a really good voice. He, he has very, a like, good voice. I agree, actually. Mm-hmm. I find uh, Quincy Brown more interesting as a character. Absolutely. Than, uh, than, but, the, but Ethan Peck slash Ty Walker, as he is named in the thing, has a very good voice. It's true. I dug that part. Yeah. Uh, I, so, so, you know, it's a rom-com. You can like imagine what happens. Uh, We don't need to tell you, but uh, there's so many things I love about this movie, not just limited to this idea of like a haunted, is it haunted or is it magic? This is a question I keep coming back to. Um, I like, I can't decide if I like it more if it's haunted by her, it's like benevolently haunted by her grandmother, or if it was magic all along and it's like a magic heirloom. Do you have a a feeling or opinion on that? I initially was very like, oh, it's just magic. But then the more and more it drove home, you know, in conversations that she has with her grandpa about it when, you know, she starts to have feelings about the nature of this thing the further into the movie we get. He just talks so much about how she wanted him to have it. Sorry, she wanted her to have it, the grandmother, that I was like, oh no, this feels like a benevolent haunting thing where she's like, like, no haces caso. I'm going to try to tell you like how to live your life. You just need to listen to, I'm telling you with the magic toys in the boxes. So like, yeah, it started to feel very like I'm trying to gently nudge you in the right direction. And that to me felt like very personalized. So I went towards haunting because that just seemed, you know, like something my abuela or abuelo would do if they passed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and family is such a force in this movie, right? Like, I love how tight-knit the family is and, like, also how, like, sort of uh, casually multiracial this movie is. Yes. And it's not at all... Like I always say, my favorite kind of representation is often the kind where it's like a thing, but not the thing. And it was very much like a thing, not the thing. Like, yeah, we're just all here getting along because that's the way it should be. And this is this is cool. So that, that was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, so nice. Um, but yeah, family's such like a big deal in this in this movie. Um, and she like she has that come to Jesus talk with her sister when she's like sulking about things. And uh, she, you know, uh, there's that beautiful moment with her parents at the end, and like she has such a lovely relationship with her grandfather. And like you can only assume that it was a very loving relationship with her grandmother. Like it gave me all of the like sort of beautiful, like, uncomplicated happy family feelings, which are, like, you know, holidays are complicated for a lot of folks, and family is super complicated for a lot of folks. Um, So it was just nice to, like, sort of bathe in that, like, oh, everybody's nice to each other. Like, it's not that they don't have quirks or, like, little fights, but, like, everybody likes each other and is nice to each other. I I think one of my favorite parts was the grandfather, specifically because... And, you know, I'll admit I bring a little bit of baggage here to this conversation, but <laughs> I unfortunately watched, you know, my one of my grandparents died when I was very young, or my grandfather mm. was the other only, you know, recently did. And I watched the end of his life, like what it looked like. And it was not, you know, particularly pretty. It was, he, it was just like a huge diminishment of like who he was as a person and sort of withered away. And my grandmother now 
you know, is living without him. And I realized that one of the things I loved about the movie is that it was, for me anyway, a kind of a rare portrayal of a man who, you know, lost the love of his life, but was so hell-bent on living the way he thought she would have wanted him to, that he Mm. was like, yeah, I'm living, you know, in like a, you know, I think kind of like an elder care or like a, you know, community, if you will, facility. But he was like, this is my way of staying upbeat. You know, I have friends, I'm like doing my own thing. And and not to say that that's obviously possible for everybody because it isn't, but he just seemed so like, no, I'm going to, you know, live my life positively because she would want me to be happy. She would want me to to live this way. And he's just, he seems so like empowered (laughs) in his happiness. I was like, oh, this is so nice. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was really, really great. So it was very warm and fuzzy in that way. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. That's really, ugh, it just like adds an extra dimension for me as well. Um, yeah, really, really lovely. I'd like, what else is there to say about this movie? Like, it's a hug. It's like a hug with a haunted calendar, which is a weird thing <laughs> to say. I will say there is one part that like I oh, had. Tell me. Well, like maybe two things. One is that, you know, again, spoiler, but like at one point she gets fired and it felt a little dramatic for what it actually oh yeah no (laughs) you're not wrong I know this is a rom-com and so I'm gonna go with the flow here but it was basically like hey these photos maybe didn't make it and it wasn't my fault and it was like get out of my you know you may not wear the elf costume anymore like and and then she was you know it was like that montage of Bella in Twilight like crying out the window like she's just sitting in her couch like feeling sorry for herself I was like I mean like, I get it, girl, but, like, it wasn't, like, you got fired from, like, your dream gig. Like, you wanted to do something else, like, and instead, you didn't get to take pictures of, like, the crying kids sitting on Santa's right. laps. <laughs> that part felt a little, a little mucho, but, You're no. not wrong. You're not wrong. Although it did give rise to my favorite line in the movie, which is, you smell like Cheetos and sadness. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I died. I was like, this is amazing. Oh, yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I will say, and this is like, I've watched a couple of these this year sort of accidentally, which is that, you know, the, so depending on your familiarity with romances and rom-coms, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but like generally what happens is one person does something or like says something that makes the other person very upset and then they have to grovel, right? There's a grovel usually like, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to apologize. Like I won't do it again. Like let's, let's, let's go back to where we were or whatever. And often in these tropes, it's the man who has to grovel. But in this one, we get a female grovel. Yep. And I always like a gender flipped, you know, play around with the trope. Um, and to me, it's like, I don't think, I don't think, you know, Abby is uh, quote unquote unlikable in the way some of these other female protagonists are, where they have to like come through this huge sort of redemption arc to get sure. to the point where they deserve the cinnamon roll <laughs> guy that they've been set up with, or, you know, cinnamon roll partner. Um, it's not always uh, hetero, but like it's a. Uh, it, it was interesting to me that, like, Abby is, like, she's very relatable in a lot of ways, but she is also extremely, like, she literally says to her best friend Josh when he first comes back, she's, like, she, like, breaks down her life for him. She's, like, yeah, I'm not doing anything, and I know that if I did tr- take a risk on my art, 
I would be happier, but I'm just not doing it. Like she's yep. she's stalled out and she knows it and she's still not doing anything about it. So to me, like that was sort of the culmination of her just like kind of got her head up her ass. Like she just she and but I get it too. Like I think I feel like it's it is very hashtag relatable. Like we've all been there where it's like, yeah, I know that if yep. I did this other thing, I probably would be happier, but like I don't even know where to start. Absolutely, the like uh like decision paralysis or whatever yeah. there's, a, there's a rhymey version of that i know but anyway yeah like that i i've have, i definitely went through a period that's why i was like yes girl i understand and like and i and i was like watching in slow motion like you're about to be mean to this boy oh there yes. you are being mean to this boy mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, yeah, like welcome welcome like yep. i'll share my wine uh, so yes yeah. <laughs> it was cool to see it the other way but though. it is it's very i mean it is a rom-com like it is it, it kind of plays fast and loose with some of the character development in certain moments um and that's that's fine. It is like that it is what is it is. That is my other gripe. Yeah. <laughs> so, like other than this one very what to me felt sort of undeveloped scene where they have like that moment, you know, after the like crashing on the couch situation. Yeah. It really felt like she didn't look at him twice <laughs> in yeah. that way for the whole movie. It was just like settled on her single white zaddy and was like that was him that was him and I, I guess that's maybe the point is that she like wasn't looking at him that way but it literally felt like nope he's just my friend that is literally it and then it just like somebody flips a switch yeah, <laughs> that part. yeah. I wanted to see more of that like torn between my the familiar like person I've known all my life and this like new person that offers like a different you know whatever lifestyle perspective Mm -hmm. so in that way I was like no 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 like I want to see more of the like heat or like chemistry between you and your bestie before you just decide like hello so but you know fine it is ultimately very cute that is a legit that is a legit criticism uh for sure for sure I just like wanted it to happen anyway, so I was. Oh, like, me too. Which so I was like, no, 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 yes, like this is this is where we should be, but uh, you know, in, Jess, in real life. Jess Pride, who uh, is on our Wedding Romance podcast and is a romance expert, and I like had like we oh, like yes. we had to agree to disagree on that one um, because she was just like, nope, I just don't buy it. Like there wasn't enough there for me, which I can, you know, again, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, it. It just, you know, to each their own romance, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's because I wanted it to happen that I was okay with it, but I was very much like, oh, wait, you, huh? <laughs> like, Yeah, you I, took I, a shortcut. There was a shortcut in there. Yeah, but, you know, in my mind, that's because I, well, I was like, hello. Right, like, <laughs> right. This is, like, the magic of the calendar is it makes you see, so that was yes. fine. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's a magic calendar. It's a haunted calendar. We all deserve happy. We deserve happy hauntings. It's fine. It's so true. So true. All right. So in less happy, still charming, but in a very different way, uh, let's talk about Rare Exports, which... Jennifer, I do not remember your middle name, Northington, in this moment. I watched these movies back to back because I was just like chilling on a Saturday, had some like had a glass of wines like yeah let's just bang this out because you know holiday schedule sometimes gets a little crazy and what why (laughs) (laughs) i just the notes i have for this get significantly kookier (laughs) it's bonkers so this movie came out in 2010 uh directed by uh oh also directed and written by yalmari helander um and it is a uh well how to describe this movie so this, this movie 
is about a very isolated uh, community, loosely noticed community, like three dudes and two of them have children, um, who are very close to the Russian border. I think they're in Finland, I believe. Yes. yes. Um, and they're very close to the Russian border. And on the Russian side of the border is a mountain that is being excavated by this, like, very Indiana Jones villain uh, British or something, you know, dude um, who has a team, like, working to excavate something. And uh, these two boys from the other side of the border are spying because, of course, they're, like, little boys. This is what they're going to do. And one of the younger one gets convinced that it's Santa Claus in the mountain, but it's not, like, nice, happy, like, gonna give you presents, Santa Claus. It's, like, gonna the Santa Claus is gonna eat you if you were bad. And then people start to... Then very weird things start to happen. Very strange, gory bonkers things start to happen dear listeners i would like to direct you at this point please go look up like the movie cover for this and join me on this journey of believing that what you are about to watch is a happy scando version of home alone maybe and then experience the movie after that but i need you to do this in this order because this is precisely what i did and when i tell you i was sitting here talking to this television like a person who's not okay <laughs> because I just I guess I didn't look up enough about what the movie like I kind of knew the general premise and I guess maybe what you just said is what you told me and so all of that made sense but maybe it's because there's kids in it yeah and that I just totally didn't think it was gonna get as dark <laughs> as it got and when it did I'm not it was very much me going oh no <laughs> just making faces I my first note was like, why did my little friend immediately assume that it was Santa? In the, yeah. like, did I miss that part? But I literally wrote like, why was he like, must be Santa? Like, why, why right. was he like, big frozen hill on the Russian right. side. Creepy dude heading this shady organization must be Santa at the bottom of that mountain. Like, I didn't understand where we got to that part. I don't know if that was explored and I just like missed it. <laughs> no, I mean, he's having this whole like, there isn't a Santa Claus conversation with his slightly older buddy. Um, but then, but he goes from like, wait, there's no Santa. Like, my dad pays a guy to dress up as Santa yep. every year to believing that it is Santa in the mound, but it's like bad Santa. There is no, no, there's no, there's absolutely no explanation for how we get there. It's just child brain is what we're led yep. to believe. Um, and I was trying to describe this movie to my partner. He's like, well, what's it like? And I was like, well, <laughs> it's kind of like a Scandinavian." Uh, like Fargo, but about Santa. Like that it's got is kind of accurate. Yeah, yeah. Think, like yeah. it's got this like sort of bumbling, like ineptitude, villainy, but also is like extremely gory. And like what our 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 little Bean character buddy uh, Pietari is uh, his dad is a butcher, and like you get to oh, see Jesus, some yes. of that. 
And you're like, oh, gosh. Um, and then it only gets bloodier and weirder from there. It really it's the it's the weirdest movie. So I a friend of mine, Molly Templeton, uh, who writes for Tor.com, among other things. Yes. The, the wonderful Molly Templeton. It's all, it's all her fault. Basically, this is all her fault. She's the one who who had us watch this movie back in the day when we all lived in Brooklyn and got together and had cocktails and like movie night. Um and I don't remember how she described it to us, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I would and I, love to know. I did not remember exactly how... I remembered that it was funny, but I did not remember how gory it was. Like, I really did not remember how dark and weird it got. So, like, okay, to go into that, so now we're officially kind of in spoiler territory. Yeah, yeah, spoiler territory. Um, but, like, so my little homie Pietari decides, like you said, like, okay, so there's a nasty Santa at the bottom of this mountain. <laughs> P.S. I really, I wrote down, like, I cracked up when he's looking through, because he magically, in the middle of literally isolated Finland, like, ice everywhere just finds all this literature yes, on, yes. Like, They just happen to have a complete library on the original Santa in the house. Like, they just happen the to have that. The one that he shows his friend, like, the drawing is of this, like, ah, like very evil-looking dude shoving a child, like, trying to drown him in a giant bucket. Yes. And the kid is damn near the spitting image of Pietari. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, what is happening? I don't understand. And so he gets, you know, he becomes convinced that he needs to catch this being, creature, whatever he is, does the whole... And this is where I was like, oh, it's going to be, like, Home Alone. Like, he... Yeah. Uh, insists on trying like not to fall asleep and waiting by the window with this like pulley mechanism that he makes and this little like BB gun that he you know goes to bed with and so it's like oh cute like trying to get the intruders and then we find out that this is where it starts to get like bloody is that something and they think initially maybe it's wolves have completely like decimated the population of reindeer and given that Pietari's dad is a butcher and really everybody there is involved in this business, this is like their livelihood. So yeah. when this happens, they're devastated because they're like, this is $85,000 is the number they kept driving in for reasons that we've lost. And you just see this sea of reindeer carcasses. And I was yeah. not prepared. Oh. No. <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh no, dancer. And oh. there was that. <laughs> and so then... Pietari decides again that he's going to go on this mission. Like, nope, now I have proof that, like, this thing exists. And the the dialogue is just, this is where it's, like, dark comedy, I guess. Because yeah. it is really fun. Like, when he shows up, first he asks his buddy to, like, help him. And, I, and, you know, I wonder if some of the comedy here is also in the translation. Yeah. Because I always think that when I see, like, stuff in Spanish. I'm like, haha, that's really funny because it's technically not a direct translation. Right. But he's like, hey, when's the last time you got smacked? And yeah. He says to his friend, and the friend's like, uh, and he's like, so anyway, should we confess that we, like, dug a hole in the fence that, you know, separates us from the Russians and that's why we know about this bad Santa? <laughs> like, the, yeah. the banter was really funny. <laughs> and then he shows up because he thinks he's a bad boy and he's you know scared of what's gonna happen to him so he literally goes up to his dad is like papa i'm here for my lashes <laughs> like right why? he shows up to get spanked because he thinks that's gonna save him i know it's so <gasps> he's so 
It's so funny to watch his character arc because he goes from, and I like this is very deliberate, I think, on the part of the movie, but he goes from like this very, like, you know, sort of innocent, like, Santa's not real. What do you mean he's not real? Like, oh, maybe he is real. And like, nobody believes him, right? Because he's little and he's like running around wearing like, like cardboard armor, carrying a BB gun. And he's got his little, he's got his little stuffy on a leash that goes everywhere with him. (laughs) He's such a little. He's such a little nugget and like he nobody believes him, nobody listens to him until by the end of the movie, like he's the one calling the shots and like concocting this like extra I will not spoil for you, like bonkers plan to save the day. And you're there just are like, monologues, oh. Jen. There were monologues. Yes, he like, has I monologues. Was dying and at you're those just parts. like, Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's so hilarious. And like, yes, he, the way that he is like so convinced of like it's so clear to him what needs to happen next, whether it's like getting disciplined for having been bad or like insert spoilery thing here. Like he's so convinced yeah. that he knows the right thing to do. It's so hilarious and 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 just I mean, I don't even know. I don't this movie is is just so out like there. The deta- like the fact that like the big caper then becomes like someone is going around stealing all the hair dryers or sorry, all the radiators. Yes. And then yeah, the guy's like, too. Yeah, and my wife's hair dryer too. And then like later in the movie when you see the big reveal for why the right. ra- which is bananas of why the radiators have all been stolen the fact that homeboy picks up the hair dryer smells it and he's like yes, oh, yes this is my wife's so like do, do hair dryers have set memory like what what do you mean like, why why do you Aww. like yes this is marta's or like whatever her name is yeah yeah it's just i don't even know the the dialogue is is just hysterically hysterically weird um and I do wonder how much of it is like, like, is it even better in the original language? Like, yes. is it? I'm sure it must be. That's but what I kept telling myself. It's pretty. I thought it was pretty. I mean, maybe it's just this is the kind of like dark humor that I enjoy. But I thought it was pretty entertaining in, you know, subtitled, which is how I watched it. No. And that's the part that would make me just like die of laughter. And again, I wish I knew because I guess either way, it's fine. Right. But like, yeah. is it is it is it even funnier? Right. Because again, speaking as somebody who like, you know, English was my second language. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched a thing and then I'm cracking up because like the original conjugate, yeah. you know, thing was funny, but it's a colloquialism that if we literally right. conjugated word for word, it would be like, ah egg that just makes no sense to you right if i said i have huevo in spanish and like how how funny but like so i yeah i wonder if some of it is like actually this is much funnier and like finish right (laughs) the version you're getting is like the the monologue parts it's just some of the yeah the little one-liners like i wish i'd written more of them down but he's just like he's like yeah very save the day in the end and yeah it's like I must sacrifice myself. Oh, no. <laughs> just, I mean, this this isn't exactly spoilery, but let's just say there's a part where like he's he's in the air and it's yeah. like very dramatic, like falling backward of like I must do this to save yeah. my people. I was like, how did we get here? How I know. And my other thing that I just this is the part that took me out again. Glasses of wine deep. Okay, I'm watching and I'm like, okay, so let's just say there's some. Some, some, you know, you already know there's some evil forces at work here. And then I'm like, wait, is, is that 
full frontal yes that is oh, yeah. full frontal nudity <laughs> yeah. several times by these like large groups of men and i was not prepared again i was like oh this is like a home alone like cutesy i'm like oh there are no. ding-dongs like flapping in the wind like what is going on right now i just wasn't prepared for any of that like i probably after the like radiator disappearing point on right. for like how just weird it got and I mean, I think this is the moment where we note that it is rated R, despite having like a seven-year-old hero. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Um, I, yeah, there are a couple of moments that really kill me in the like, I now I can't even continue suspending my disbelief, including the final montage. No, the final montage was so creepy. Just like skip ahead, y'all, if you're going to watch this movie and don't want to hear this, because I have to say this out loud. Who is buying a Santa in a crate. Like, who? 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 What? Like, I just, I can't even with that final montage. Oh, and the montage, the whole leading up to a part where they're, like, training the Santas. Oh, my gosh, I can't they're even. they're like, oh, just, you know, hold the child like this. And I'm like, this yeah. this does not look appropriate. Like, no. I was just very, very creeped out by that whole part. Like, it, uh, and I thought the movie was over. So when I kept I know. going, I was like, oh, oh, my God, what are they doing? Why? Why? It's deeply wrong. It's deeply wrong in that very like Fargo kind of way. You're just like, this is, this is not what? No, don't do that. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, I just constantly am like, why would, don't do that. Why would you do that to these characters? Um, At one point, I do remember like the cheesiest, like when, you know, good conquers evil, if you will. I was yeah. dying that the like, the things that were said were have a Merry Christmas. Yes. And another person's like, and a happy bloody new year. Yeah. I was like, what are you watching? Die hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does have some of those die hard moments. It's just so over the top. When it's so the over the top. Like, Take the kids home. It's past their bedtime. I'm yes. like, oh, my, my man has grown from like a seven year old to a 38 year old man. Like, what? I know. In a very short span of time. It's <laughs> like an hour and a half, not even. Yeah, he's got, he goes on a whole journey. <laughs> like the kid, again, spoilers, but they won't make any sense to you until you watch the movie. But like, you know, discovery, sex, kids. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 you have to get back in the sack for this plan right. to work. And they're like, they wait, no, I don't want to. Like, no, you must get back in the sack. And we're going to hoist you. Like, this is part of the plan. Like, I, just, I literally was like, am I high? Like, I don't I know. Person, but am I? Like, Whether or not you're sober when you watch this movie, you do feel like you've got to be taking something because it's just <laughs> it's that just surreal. So bananas. And again, is, when you pair it with like the charm of a like tenderly haunted advent calendar (laughs) it's just like oh yes this was a choice like it was a very strange (laughs) holiday dichotomy but you know worth it was it was funny and it was fun to talk about yeah it's also i i can't not also point out the big difference between these two movies which is that like you know, we talked about how like cheerfully multiracial the holiday calendar is. Um, and there's like all kinds of different, you know, people in it. And and this movie is 100 pop- percent populated by white men. Like those yeah, are the only like, people the who exist. Well, you know, and poor Pietari's mom is dead. Like we know that that she, like knew, happened yes. somewhat recently. But like, no, there's no other women in this concept. Like. There just aren't. There just aren't. Like nowhere. Like, not one. You don't even get, like, a montage of, like, oh, like, you know, waving goodbye to my wife while I, like, go out to work for the day. And they reference them because, again, like, the hairdryer yes, thing where he's like, right. oh, my wife's hair. I'm like, oh, so they exist. But you just don't – you really get the sense that these 
what it's like you said three men live yeah. in this town and then their children but you know there are more because then again that hilarious right. montage when Pietari's calling around to see if his yes. buddies are okay and has his little like scratch yes. off list his little, he's such a great baby detective it's so <laughs> entertaining it's like hello da, 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 da. you know whatever juice and the, no okay <laughs> yeah Oh, this kid. Like the I would love to see the behind the scenes of like them giving him artistic direction. <laughs> Cause he is so like just a little like a little nugget and just rolling around with his cap and his his little dude on a on a leash. His stuffy. Yeah, it kills me. It slays me. So okay, so important question. Would you recommend this movie to other people? <laughs> um, yes, but specifically to make them suffer is the wrong word, because I don't I didn't consider it a suffer, but like I, <laughs> I told Jen right before, like I had a Thanksgiving with my little quarantine uh, last night as of the time of this recording and I was explaining to Sharifa and her friend and they were looking at me like this girl has clearly had too many cocktails I'm like no I'm not kidding like this is the because I, I gave them like the full spoiler version which as Jen knows because she's seen it is like excuse me what yeah <laughs> I'm like no and then this and then this and then there's a bunch of white walkers and it's full frontal and like and yes. like what are you talking I'm like no really this is what happens so it is definitely like a movie I would ho- totally recommend but not it's a type of recommendation right yeah <laughs> like it's not a panacea of a recommendation no. that I'm giving to everybody it's a very particular kind of movie and I I kind of am not sorry but also I'm sorry I did not adequately prepare you for no it, it was better this way but still I was just like what what is happening <laughs> yeah 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 well uh so that's our show <laughs> Yay! Um, so, listeners, dear listeners, if you have watched either of these, would love to hear your comments. Also, if you have holiday movies with speculative element recommendations, like send those in. I'll throw them in the show notes for the next uh, oh, oh. episode. Because Cat Graham actually, I happened to see this in Netflix. I don't know if you saw it, but she actually, literally, right now, has a holiday rom com out. She does. Although yeah. it looked very realistic to me, oh, which boom. is, okay. you know, I know, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm still gonna watch it. But, yes, it but, was like Operation. It, I was about to say Operation Dumbo Drop. It's uh, Operation Christmas Drop, I think is what it's called. So anyway, yes. there's that. I'm like perfectly fine with her just making romantic comedies for the rest of her career. I mean, I guess if she wants to do other things, she should do those things. But Indeed. But, you know. Yeah. Entertain Here us. For it. Thanks, Yeah. Man. Yeah, and I also, it occurred to me, I was like, I wonder if Helender, uh, who directed Rare Exports, has like done anything else, because I might want to hor- <laughs> horrify myself with those things. We'll um, Google post-recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have to look that up. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so these are two gems, but I would love to hear uh, your thoughts on those. All right, so let's see. Uh, thanks go out to our sound editor, Dr. Baker, who, who makes us less messy, for which we are eternally thankful uh also eternally thankful for y'all for listening we so appreciate it uh we love to get mail from you thank you to all of you who have been emailing in and continue to do so if you want to send us one you can do that at sff yeah at bookriot.com uh we also thank you for reviews on apple podcasts it does help other book nerds to find the show so keep those coming in if you are so inclined we super appreciate it um and let's see in between shows you can find us on other podcasts and and, uh, social media. Vanessa, where are you? You can find me at Buenos Dias SD, which is B-U-E-N-O-S-D-I-A-Z-S-D. 
And you can find me mostly on Instagram these days at I am Jen IRL. That's I A M J E N N I R L. And yeah, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy haunting. Yeah. <laughs>